Hey folks, I just wanted to take some time out to thank you for listening to Thought You Were Woke No Speed Limit Podcast. Without you, this show would not be possible. Here's what you can do to help. Make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, and share with your friends. You woke? Time to get up. Thought you're awoke. No speed limit podcast. I'm your host, Alvin. I hope you guys are having a terrific day. You know what? I enjoy doing this show for you guys. Uh, I, I, it is a blast every week to put this together just for you. Um, so here's what I want you to do today I want you to make sure that you are making sure you hit that notification button below. Make sure you like, follow, share, whatever uh, platform you are on right now listening to this. Um, like I said, make sure you even comment below or leave a voicemail if you're on Spotify because you can leave a voice comment there on Spotify. Today, I'm going to talk about the border for a brief second. And here's where I'm going to start. How the concerns have seized on the border issue is interesting, to say the least. Governor Abbott of Texas has installed his version of a barrier along the Texas-Mexican border that includes barbed wire buoys along the Rio Grande and concrete barriers. Governor Abbott has even called on the National Guard. Now, the issue with this barrier is, is people are still trying to cross the border. And a lot of them are end up getting themselves in trouble, getting tangled in the barbed wire or getting stuck out in the middle of the Rio Grande. This has led to the Border Patrol agents not having access to those attempting to cross the border or needing rescue. Not only that, but Texas has created a law that allows law enforcement agents to detain anyone they suspect of being illegal in the United States or illegally in the United States and turning them over to the Border Patrol. In other words, if you look foreign, you look like you're not an American citizens, I can detain you. I can then turn you over to the Border Patrol if you do not have proper ID. And this is another form of racial profiling, basically, that the, our country has allowed to happen. While the latter is under scrutiny by the courts for possibly violating ethnic profiling, the former actions of Governor Abbott has been deemed unconstitutional by the Supreme Court. In other words, the barriers that Governor Abbott has put up along the Mexican-Texas border are illegal. In their ruling, the court said the international borders are the sole responsibility of the federal government. Governor Abbott has chosen to defy the Supreme Court and President Biden by keeping the barrier in place and denying access to Border Patrol agents, saying it is the responsibility, it is his responsibility to protect the borders of Texas. Biden has the option in this case to federalize the National Guard and have them remove the barriers and allow Border Patrol agents to do their jobs, but has yet to do so. Now, with Governor Abbott's defiance, 13 Republican governors have supported this issue, including one Ron DeSantis of Florida and the governor of Louisiana. And they are either considering or sending National Guard troops to Texas to assist at the border. Now, this could set up uh, a federal versus state standoff. 
And a lot of people are talking about the possibility that this could cause a civil war. There's a TED talk out there that's talking about how our country is slowly headed that direction anyway. And like I said, it's like a trap game right now being played by Governor Abbott. But it's not just Governor Abbott. Let's move on. Meanwhile, Abbott's fellow partner, uh, party members in Congress have chosen to do the will of their master, Donald Trump. The Senate passed bipartisan legislation that would be the most aggressive policy in the past 30 years for the border. It included an, adding an additional 2,500 new patrol agents, creating a barrier at the border, and allows the border to be shut down if more than 5,000 people pass through in a week. It even reshapes the amnesty program. In other words, it was a tougher version of the amnesty program, which would scrutinize people coming into the country while still not guaranteeing citizenship for DACA children. This bill was a joint bill with the fund with funding for Ukraine, Israel and Taiwan, which is now caused another issue that I will talk about in a few minutes. However, Trump called on his Republican puppies to not pass the bill in an efforts to hurt Biden's re-election bid. So Speaker of the House Johnson basically tabled the bill, hurting both funding for critical allies and a hefty border policy. Meanwhile, buses are still heading to so-called sanctuary cities with migrants on board, and Texas law enforcement agencies consider not using the new law imposed by the Texas State Assembly that allows them to pick up illegals because they're worried about court challenges that could potentially hurt them as local law enforcement officers. Also, the House voted 214 to 213 after a second vote to impeach the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. It is expected to fail in the Senate and is largely seen as a seriously flawed political statement on Republican on Republicans who threatened to aggressively on border policy, be aggressive on border policy. Um, our country's foreign and domestic policy is in the hands of, of soon-to-be dictators who are slowly taking away our ability to compromise on bills in Congress. One thing is for sure, Republicans keep reminding us of how broken our government is and that the other side is at fault while denying their own responsibility for the problems. They have defied every effort to fix those problems and, and at times cause them. Remember the national debt? It's the largest increase in decades under Donald Trump. Republicans have no alternative solution to the Affordable Care Act other than to end it, possibly hurting millions of Americans who could not or otherwise afford health care. They say they can fix Social Security. However, their solutions have been to provide privatize it, or cut benefits altogether. They say they want to make a stronger military. Instead, members of Congress like Tommy Tuberville have held up necessary promotions to key positions because they're worried about the woke military policies. Oh, the Democrats don't get a pass either. The border situation has been a constant issue for them. While they have offered solutions for DACA children to receive a path to citizenship, they have constantly failed to actually get anything passed. When they had the opportunity to raise the minimum wages and put in good sense policy, uh, po police reforms, they failed. However, they did manage to pass the infrastructure bill 
that no other president has been able to even get off the ground. They managed to get the popular COVID child tax credit extended. However, Democrats find it hard to get any traction from their success because of concerns over Biden's age and the high price of things like food, medicine, rent, or the inability of many Americans to afford a new home. That despite rather strong economy under Biden's watch. And let's not forget the situation in the Middle East, which has taken some Democrats to go against Biden. The border crisis reflects the crisis the world is facing. Thousands of would-be immigrants are from all continents. There are people from North America, like Mexicans, Haitians, and and Venezuelans. So, so, uh, El Salvadorians and Guatemalans from South America. From the Middle East, there are Israelis, Yemish, and Palestinians. Palestinians. From Asia, there are Malaysians, Chinese, and Indians. From Africa, there are Libyans, Ethiopians, Congolese, Nigerians. The same border crisis we are experiencing is happening in Europe as well. History has shown that the role that America and Europe has played in the border crisis of today. We understand what colonization has done to our our, our globe, what, what the uh, rape and pillage of resources from Africa at the expense often uh, of corrupt governance has done to the world today and why it's causing these immigrants to want to come to the West. What are the solutions? Part of this is progressive policies that help the home countries economically and politically become stable. Working on treaties with Mexico to handle the influx of immigrants that have also become a problem for them as well. Lastly, the states themselves need to be less combative to federal government efforts to fix the problem at the border. Simple solutions to the problem. Yet, can our government ever work together? Congress, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, doesn't matter. They need to work together to make a sensible bill work. Pass this legislation so we can fix the problems we have at hand. So let me talk about the Ukrainian uh, situation and how it all relates to what's going on in the United States. I'm going to give you a little background on the Ukrainian war. I have talked about it before. The The current Ukrainian war in Ukraine has been raging on since February 26, 2022, when Russian forces invaded Ukraine. Uh, uh, you can say that the Ukrainian ex- conflict extends all the way back to 2014, when Russian invaded and seized the Crimean Peninsula from Ukraine, there has been an ongoing conflict between separatists and the Ukrainian military in what is called the Donbass region up until 2022, when the Russians invaded. Ukraine was not expected to put up a fierce uh, defense against the Russians, but however, they did. And the Russians began to see heavy losses in the process of this invasion. In the summer of 2022, with the help of munitions from the United States and its Western allies, Ukraine was able to launch an offensive that took back large swaths of its territory taken by the Russians. The offensive stalled in the harsh Ukrainian winter of 2022, and at that point, the Russians launched their own version of an attack. Um, I believe the city was Abdivka at the time. 
and counter offense and pour thousands of troops into that offense only to succeed in taking one small town with little significance in a larger war effort. Now, if you know anything about the war, it is believed that the Russians have lost over 300,000 soldiers trying to fight against the Ukrainians. Ukrainians are probably a little bit less, 200,000. Either way, the numbers are tremendous. That's like getting, we're, we're talking about getting up to a close to a million people who have been casualties of war on a combat field. Uh, they lost 300,000, so the, they lost about 200,000. That's 700,000. We're, we're going to get over a million people who have died in this war by the end if it goes on much longer. Um, however, Ukraine has spent much of its valued resources and manpower and munitions on hopes of smashing Russia's units to the point of not being of being useless. However, Russia used this time to build up its defensive elsewhere pre- with preparation on Ukraine's spring offensive. That spring offensive lasted through the summer of 2023 and managed very little in the way of territorial gains for the Ukrainians and cost Ukraine even more of their munitions and manpower. Ukraine now finds itself in a a desperate situation as they are running out of ammunition, shells, and funding. They are calling up 500,000 Ukrainians to fill in for the Ukrainians who have been fighting now since 2022. Many have been fighting since the beginning of the war. So there's there has been a draft call to pull up uh, of more young troops. Anyone who's 25 years and older may be going to war soon. At one time, uh, Ukraine tried to spare its youth. Uh, anyone 27 years or older would be drafted for service or were used for service. Now they're going they're going back deeper in their draft pool. They're going 25 and younger, uh, even 18 to 25 years. Anybody, any, any young man can sign up for the military, but, you know, this is where they're going with the draft pool. Uh, now that is just the military side of things. That's talking about strictly about the military side of things. Ukraine is part of a larger international issue that's going on where it involves not only uh, Russia, but it involves China and Iran. So if you think about the conflict in Israel between Hamas and Israel and and the Palestinian people, and you know how horrible that is. And, and I'm going to bring that up because all of this somehow ties together. So the Iranians and the Russians seem to have a sort of allegiance towards each other. Okay. So how do we know this? Shahid drones, these drones that are, were originally made in Iran, are now being used on the battlefield by the Russians against the Ukrainians. Those same drones they have sold also to people like Hamas and to Hezbollah, and they've also sold to the Yemen, to the Yemenis people. So uh, the, the, the Houthis in Yemen are using those particular weapons against ships and against other targets in, in, in the Red Sea. So when we think about that, how is that related? There's a possibility that Russia has is part of what we're seeing. In other words, Russia has somehow instigated the problems in the Middle East, uh, has even at one point had China acting up, talking about, you know, putting pressure on Taiwan about possibly invading Taiwan, therefore trying to get America's attention off of what's going on in, um, America's attention off of what's going on in Russia with all these other escalations around the world. And at the same time, 
The border crisis is indirectly an issue also because there are Russians and Ukrainians at the southern border. All of these things come in with the fact that Europe can't get its act together on funding and has not been able to do so since the beginning of the war. If Europe had have done what it should have done from the get-go, it would have sent the right ammunition and weapons to Ukraine. But the fear was by giving Ukraine certain weapons and certain things, you kept, you you were, you feared escalation with the Russians. In other words, that if you gave uh, Ukraine's long-range missiles, they're going and they're going to fire those into Russian territory, and that will cause Russia to be upset with the countries that did, and possibly fire off nuclear weapons. Now that you know that's not a possibility, they're opening the floodgates for weapons. Like now, recently the the Ukrainians got F-16s, uh, but it's caused funding delays. And one of the biggest factors is that there's a problem going on in the United States. Now, in his last campaign uh, run, Trump fought NATO tooth and nail. One of the things he said was that the Ukrainian, that the Europeans were not giving their fair uh, share of uh, money to the NATO. He said they should give up what they owe. I see most nations spend 2% of their GDP on NATO. Um, now, we're finding with this war that as they give munitions to Ukraine and they're running out of munitions that these countries are finding that they are not on good war footings. They, they need to do a better job of recruiting for their own military. They need to do a better job of manufacturing weapons and things like that to fight this particular thing. The world was in a different place before 2022. Sure. Uh, Russia was not a good actor. It was a small conflict in Ukraine. It wasn't that big of a deal. They were giving what we were giving weapons that the West, the United States were giving weapons, but it was not on the scale that we have here. Our biggest issues were usually in the Middle East or in Africa, right? That's not how the world works right now. That's just an honest assessment. The world is a hot mess. You have to look at it this way. Israel and Hamas conflict. Hamas is directly supported by the Iran, directly, indirectly, however you want to say it, they are uh, supported by the Iranians. The Iranians, again, are directly or indirectly supported by Russian money in the fact that they have drones, so on and so forth. And that has also led to other agreements between the two countries. And let's throw in China with that too. So, messing with the Middle East helps the Russians in their conflict because now... Detention, uh, attention is diverted to the one in Israel. Now that the situation is now evening out, how is that evening out? We have um, what's going on in the United States. This is an election year. Donald Trump is coming back. Donald Trump has just said this weekend, past weekend, that if European countries don't give their fair share of money, he's going to let Putin invade whoever he wants. In fact, he would even encourage it. That is a sickening and worrying, worrying sign. Secondly, Trump... Uh, allies in Congress, due to his prompting, have stopped all sorts of funding, including border funding, as well, which I talked about earlier, and uh, uh, funding for Ukraine, which is desperate at this point. Europeans are looking to American dollars to help stimulate what's going on in, in, um, in Ukraine. And it's like, without that, it seems like Ukraine will fail because, well, the Europeans aren't putting together what they need to put together as well. It is a double-edged sword. To a certain degree, Trump is right. To a certain degree, he's wrong. If Europe cannot defend itself or its allies within Europe, 
how can the United States then put all of its resources into defending it when it has its own issues it has to deal with? But at the same time, the U.S. needs to realize in order to deal with China, it needs to weaken Russia, needs to uh, check Iran. Because if you can't check those two, China will have two strong allies that can come to its aid in case you go to war against them. And if Trump gets away with what he wants to do, which would hurt his allies, we'd be standing alone against China and all of its available resources. China is dipping into Asia. It's dipping into Africa. It has found allegiance with people like South Africa. It's found allegiance with people in the Congo. Uh, You know the Russians have their Wagner group, uh, Wagner group actually, Wagner group in places like uh, the Congo, Central Africa, and they're being invited to other African countries. They have also, they're also have been in Syria and in the Middle East. So this is why they are considered a threat to whatever we're trying to do in the world. And it would behoove the United States, it would behoove the United States to go forward and bring that funding towards Ukraine in order to strengthen that situation and give the Ukrainians the ability to fight off the Russians. Now, is the likelihood of them recapturing territory? That's a, a big if. There's a lot of ifs here. If Ukraine can build up the proper forces before the Russians, who are, by the way, now mobilizing their country to, to build more munitions and build more weapons, then there's a chance that... Ukraine could uh, fend off the Russians or force them to the negotiation tables. Now, here's the issue. Ukraine does not want to give up an ounce of territory, including territories they've lost, like the Crimea and Peninsula. They want all of their territory back. Putin recently did an interview with Tucker Carlson where he's trying to explain um, and literally trying to legitimize his attack on Ukraine. Nothing he said, no matter whatever whatever kind of historical evidence he was trying to give, the only thing I could tell from the historical evidence was that he's twisting some of the facts about the about those situations. USSR, for one thing, was not a country. It was an organization. United States, uh, United Soviet Republic. And basically, it was several countries united on the USSR banner. They weren't all Russian. Russian became the standard language by which we speak. Why does Ukrainian exist if Ukraine never existed? Something he tried to claim. The language of Ukraine exists. It is not Russian. It is Ukrainian. It's Slavic, but it's another language that is subsect to the Russian language. It is different than the Russian language. It is not the same. But he's trying to say that they never existed, that part of Ukraine was Polish, part of Ukraine was Russian. He's even talked about Lithuania, uh, Moldova, uh, what's these other places, uh, Latvia, places that we wouldn't even think of. He has talked about how he's, and tried to legitimize this during this uh, interview. Now, my issue with the whole interview was, of course, uh, Tucker Carlson, who was nervously trying to ask questions. Now, here's the worst part of it. After the interview was over, Putin insulted Tucker Carlson, saying by that was one of the worst interviews he's ever done in his life. He said he was waiting for the tough questions, and they never came. He tried to avoid the tough questions that Tucker did ask. So I don't know. Anyway, back to the subject at hand. 
So with Ukraine, the whole thing is about it, uh, uh, for the United States is about strengthening itself so that it can bury itself against what it what all of them claim will be their big fight is China. So if China's your big fight, you need to buffer their allies like Iran and China. You need to put them on notice that in uh, Russia that you put them on notice that they can't act up too. Otherwise, China has a good relief for what they are doing. And if they're all, all three are strong, America by itself can't stand in that situation. And that's the truth. Now, let me get to some other issues with Ukraine. Ukraine is not on the good side of things. Poland is not. Europe is not on the good side of things. They have a problem with immigration. There's a lot of racism and other things that I do not agree with. But I cannot stand for a country... Uh, to be attacked um, unlawfully, you know, I, to be invaded or their territories taken or their children uh, kidnapped and taken from their homes. Can't allow that to happen. Just like I can't stand what Israel, Israel's response to the terrorist attack that happened to them where they're killing hundreds of thousands of Palestinian children and women at the expense of the fact that I can do this to you. It's the same way I feel about the United States. The United States lost three servicemen in Iraq. So in response, I'm going to kill people in Yemen. I'm going to kill people in Syria. I'm going to kill people in Iraq. I'm going to launch attacks everywhere and, get, and make it as brutal as possible. I'm not going to attack just the offenders. And that 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 is a problem for me and how I see response. You do not seek vengeance upon your enemy. You get even with them. And we have seek, uh, sought vengeance. Um, if we're looking to shut them down, I'm, it makes sense to bomb their missile sites and destroy their ammunition dumps and all those and supply lines and all those things. Those things make sense. You have to do that to stop the enemy from being able to attack you. You have to silence your enemy. But sometimes the attacks become brutal. Like in Israel, they're becoming extremely brutal. For the hundred or so hostages there, we're we're talking about fifty to sixty thousand Palestinians losing losing their lives, and I said many of them are women and children. That to me makes no sense. So even in Ukraine, with the war in Ukraine, there's certain elements I do not like of what's happening in Ukraine. But at the same time. They deserve their sovereignty, sovereign rights, and their borders to be defended. And I'll leave you with that. So what I want to say in conclusion for today has little to do with the subjects at hand. We know that Ukraine and the border are tied together because of what's happening with the Republican Party. Great. Uh, but what other crisis in the United States is this thing about the border? Something that Trump said in one of his speeches was that people from uh, other countries are poisoning the blood of our culture. And that's a problem. That has existed in America since the beginning of America. The first men that stepped on the on the shores of the United States were not even the were the original immigrants to this country. Now there were Native Americans that live here that also at some point were immigrants, but they were native to this country. They had been here for thousands of years. When we step when 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 the Westerners and I'm going to say we here, even though I'm not 
we wouldn't be considered the same, stepped their butts on the shores of, the, of this country, they then became immigrants. They were looking for a new home, a new place to start over again. That was here in the United States. That was the original people that came here. They were Dutch, they were French, they were Spanish. And they settled in, in the eastern shores of the United States. And they ended up with conflicts with the native people who were here. They've taken their lands. They've, they've created the United States. And in the process of doing that, they brought up native sons from other lands to come work the land that they now still have are here to make money and riches off of. And people hate when you say that story. But what... Why is it fundamentally necessary for me to say that? Because when I think of 9-11, I think of how it did damage to our country in one particular way. That particular way is it, 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 it further magnetized, or uh, magnified rather, magnified the issues of racism, race, and ethnicity we have in this country. So that's why today there was such a backlash after the Black Lives Matter movement, why there was such a backlash over what's happening with the border, while we've seen, uh, while we saw what happened in 2020, uh, you know, January 6th, while we saw that happen, while we, while we saw the Charlottesville, while we saw incidents like that, because that magnified all the problems we had. Remember Rodney King happened back in the 90s. There were riots after Rodney King, but the national reaction was nothing like it, like this turned out to be. The fear factor was here. Literally, the NAACP was called terrorist. The Black Lives Matter movement was called terrorist. LGBT community was called terrorist because of what happened after that incident. 9-11 was funny because 9-11 did this. It gave people this motivation to give you know because so many policemen and firemen died that day uh, america got this love affair with the police and the fire department so when these police brutality incidents happen that made national news for months on end just a few years ago uh, and there were protests and movements against that america has fallen in love with these people that they call their warriors then you gotta remember, we had troops. We've had troops in places like Afghanistan and Iraq for over 20 years. We've had troops to the point where the people who went to fight, their kids were now fighting in those particular countries. We still have troops in Iraq. Three months ago, or a month ago, three servicemen died in Iraq. We still have troops in places like that. What has all of this done to America? It has created fear, hate, of immigrate immigrants and people of color because they fear what they think they are. They fear what they think they could do. The towers coming down is constantly in their minds that these people could come in. And it was something that John Ashcroft, who was the first uh, Homeland Security Secretary said a long time ago that we cannot do that is currently happening in this country. We cannot allow an event like 9-11 to turn us into what we see those people as, the countries they come from, the authoritarian people they are, the anti-democratic people they are. Yet, in our society, we have a raging fire that is causing that to happen. We're getting further and further divided. It's divided between 
ethnicity, it's divided between political uh, viewpoints, it's divided between religion. There's so many things that we have caused to divide ourselves because we let fear and hate take us over. That is why we have crisis at the border. That's why we can't determine what we do. We want to shut down the border, literally shut it down because we stop people from coming in. Terrorists will never hurt us again. People outside will never hurt us again. We all, you, have you ever heard of what an introvert is? An introvert is a person who's turned, who's a person who likes being by themselves. America has become an introvert. But sometimes when you find yourself by yourself, it's dangerous. Because when you find yourself by yourself and you get in a situation where your mind is depressed and you're angry, you commit suicide. Well, our nation can literally commit suicide against itself if it continues down the road of isolationism, hate, and malice towards other people. It can literally destroy everything that we believe in, including that thing we call the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. It literally will destroy everything that it stands for if we continue on this road that we're headed on. I blame several resources. I blame media, I blame the internet, I blame us as people. Because we have allowed ourselves not to, have, to give ourselves safe spaces to talk about issues. Instead, we've gotten in our bunkers, in our corners. We've told our children, let's not talk about it. Be careful what you say around other people. And it has caused this. What is going on now in the country is because of that. You cannot internalize your pain. You cannot internalize your anger. It will only explode in the wrong way. And that is what's happening in America today. Well, I've given you my speech for the day. I've said the things I felt like I needed to say. Folks, I hope you have a wonderful day. If I depressed you in any kind of way, I'm sorry. But please remember to like, share, subscribe, and leave a comment. I love you guys. Peace out. You have been listening to Thought You're Awoke No Speed Limit Podcast.